Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Well, this morning we get to continue to dive into the Word of God, the very Word that changes lives, the very Word that will save, the very Word that we submit ourselves to, the very Word that will last forever. So please open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, feel free to pull out your cell phone, uh, type in 1 John chapter 3. It will also be on the screen as well. Uh, but, but we want you to be able to have a copy of God's Word with you so you can look along and you can see for yourself within the text. We use the English Standard Version here. Um, make sure you uh, get in that Word with us. We want to be able to dive in that together. And today we're, we're looking at 1 John chapter 3 and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 18. So let's go ahead and read that text. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. These are the very words of the Lord. You know, we've been looking at this study in 1 John, and, and what we've been doing over the last couple weeks is we've been looking at this idea of the forgotten virtue. And the forgotten virtue we're talking about is love. As we've been looking at this idea of love, we realize that it's very important to look at our culture around us and how our culture around us defines love and that we need to start peeling back some of the things that are within us and the, and the presuppositions that we have about the word love in order to truly understand what the scripture talks about when it talks about love. We talked about the idea that love really within scripture, we see a couple different things. We see that love is action and love is sacrifice. We saw that if you know God and you, you love God, you will obey God. Last week we looked at the fact that not only does God love and does God call his people to love, but if we look throughout scripture, God actually hates things. And that we as the people of God who follow after Christ, we're called to hate some things as well. And it is right and true as Proverbs 6.16 says that God hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, <clears throat> hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Hating sin is in fact Christ-like. Hating evil is in fact Christ-like. 
hands that kill the innocent. Across the nation today, there are many that are observing National Sanctity of Life Sunday, standing forth and proclaiming and fighting for the life of the unborn. We here at Woodside are going to observe that next week with some of the considerations of the case of Roe v. Wade being on the 22nd, and we're going to fully celebrate that. We also started our prayer week, and we didn't want to have two big emphases, so we want to be able to really focus on Sanctity of Life Sunday next week. But I think about that idea of those who kill the innocent. I think of protecting the life of the unborn, and, and it is right for us to hate evil, and it is right for us to hate the things that God hates. Yet it's interesting, because we're also called to love. See, God calls us to love, and God calls us to hate. The thing is, we have to love the right things and hate the right things. See, we're called to not love the world. Nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Yet sometimes we get these things mixed up. Sometimes we love the wrong things, and we hate the wrong things. Because within us, because of our depraved nature, there is wicked hate. That every single person who's ever been born misses the mark of God's holy standard. And then the scripture reminds us time and time again that for all of us, we were born with hate in our hearts. Paul says in Romans 1, those who reject the gospel are haters of God. But that God embraced his enemies. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That word enemy means one that is hostile to God and hates God. Ephesians 2 2 reminds us that all of us were at one point sons or daughters of disobedience following the ways of the prince of the world. So we have to realize that before Christ, we had hatred in our hearts. And we have to realize that even with Christ inside of us, we have to be aware to not allow hatred to rule us. And that's what John talks about today. In 1 John chapter 3, he talks about being lovers of God and haters of evil. Being lovers of God and lovers of our brothers and sisters. And we're going to look at two different things today. We're going to look at what hate does and we're going to look at what love does because love is such a vitally important thing for us to love God and love each other. You know that this word love is actually, it appears 46 times just in the five chapters of 1 John. John truly cares about us knowing this. So as we look at this text, we have to look at these two different words. We have to look at what hate does. We have to look at what love does and what God calls us to do with each one of them. But in order to really understand uh, verses 11 through 18, we have to go back really quick and connect it with verse 10. Again, I've told everybody before, we have to read within context. We have to read within the chapters of the scripture. And what's been going on previously is, is that John has been talking about this idea that everybody who makes a pattern of sinning in their lives, that their life is defined by sinning, that they're not of God. And what he's actually done is something that would not be popular in our culture today. And he very strictly defines the children children of God and the children of Satan. That's what he says in 1 John 3.10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Two things. The one who practices righteousness, who lives in accordance with the word and ways of God, that's a show, a sign, a tell that you are in Christ. Also, if you love God's people, you love the brothers and sisters, that's a sign that you are in Christ. If you don't live according to the word and ways of God, you're in complete rebellion against God and you don't love God, you don't love his church, you have no desire for him and you detest them, then you most likely do not know Christ. In fact, John would say you don't know Christ. He would say it very, very plainly. And so as we dive into the text today, it comes out of this idea where there's been this definition of two different types of people, children of God and children of the devil. And there's no in-between. But what about that middle part? Nope. You either know Christ or you don't know Christ. And I want you all to know Christ. So the question we must ask ourselves today is, is what is driving us? What is our motivation? What is at the core of who we are? Are we allowing hate to drive us? Are we allowing love to drive us? And the first thing we're going to see today is that hate takes. Look at 1 John 3.11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So we see this idea that hate takes. And what we see here is John starts out 3.11, uh, which verse 10 is kind of like this hinge in the text where it's kind of uh, showing us how we're supposed to live in Christ and how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus. And, and what it says is, for this is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. He says, listen, you guys know this message. And it's from the beginning. And we learned last week that from the beginning, that's this whole idea that throughout the Old Testament, that this idea of loving one another, one another and loving God is throughout the entire text. Jesus, when he was asked what was the greatest commandment, he said, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. We're called to love God. We're called to love others. And this is what John says. He says, listen, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. When you heard the gospel, you heard this as well. So he's reminding them of something they already know. And so as we look at this text, we're reminded of what we already know, that we're called to love God. We're called to love others. And as, he's, as we're looking at this, we have to understand that this was a letter that was written. Uh, it was written to a bunch of different churches. It was called what's called a circular letter. It's supposed to go to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, to a bunch of different churches that were there. And they're all supposed to read it. So as we read this text, we need to know that this could have very easily been written to us. And in fact, it does apply to us as well. Because it's for the church. It's for followers of Jesus. It's for people who know God. Now, in order to love God or love his church, you have to know Christ. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. There's no expectation for you to love God or love his church if you don't know Christ. That would just be trying to change things within your moral behavior instead of seeing that you truly need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Christ today, surrender your life to him. Give your life to Jesus. He'll allow you to live and love with the spirit of Christ. As we're looking at this, this message that is from the beginning, we're reminded of this, and we're reminded of this idea of love, of, of action and sacrifice. And I think you could also add the word attitudes to that as well. Love for God and love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And even, we're called to love our enemies. That's probably the hardest verse in Scripture for me, period. 
Love your enemies. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. This word is translated those who hate you. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. That's a hard one. We're called to love our brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ. We're also called to love our enemies. Really, what we're seeing here is John is repeating the teachings of Jesus. And really, that's what discipleship is. Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Second part, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. That's discipleship. It's teaching, learning, and seeing how we live out the word in life. And this is what John is repeating is the teachings of Jesus. So as we look at this, we are called to demonstrate love for one another. This is the message that we've heard from the beginning. And that's what John is talking about. Love God and love others. The text continues in verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now John goes back to Genesis chapter 4. And we see the first relationship of brothers in Scripture. These are the children of Adam and Eve. And the first relationship of brothers in Scripture ends up in first-degree murder because of hatred. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. If you want to turn there, you can. Genesis chapter 4, near the front of your Bible. First book, actually. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So here's what happens. Cain and Abel, they're the two sons of Adam and Eve. And they both come and they both are offering sacrifices to God. Now you have to understand, Adam probably told Cain and Abel that they were supposed to come and offer sacrifices to God, and he probably explained to them what happened in the Garden of Eden, and this, this probably was something that they were told that they should do to honor God. I mean, why else would you just think, hey, I'm going to offer a sacrifice to God? I, I don't really think that naturally comes into your mind, and so we see Cain and Abel both coming, they offer their, their sacrifices before God, and God has regard for Abel's offering, and he does not have regard for Cain. Cain's offering. Now there's many people who have taken stabs at why this is. One of the most prevalent things is, is the, was the heart behind the offering. That, that Cain offered his offering begrudgingly because he had to and Abel offered it freely. Um, but in any case, God does not have regard for Cain's offering. And Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now, how many of you know that good things don't normally follow those words? He was very angry and his face fell. Now, God comes into the picture and he talks to Cain. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
Yet if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God comes to Cain. He says, listen, if you just turn and you repent of how you offered sacrifice before and you offer God proper sacrifice, then God will accept you. I'll accept your sacrifice. Just, just give me a different sacrifice. Give me, I'll have a different heart and I will accept it. But he says, listen, sin's crouching at your door. What an imagery of what sin is, right? Sin is crouching at your door. Brothers and sisters, sin is crouching at our door. Every single day. Sin wants to have us. It says its desire is for you. This idea that it's talking about is control. It wants to control you. We see the same word used in Genesis chapter 3 when the curse comes forth. And, and, and Eve's curse is that your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It's this desire for control and power. And that's what we see here in Genesis 4, 3. It says this desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Sin wants you. It wants to destroy you. It wants to capture you. That's what the enemy wants is to kill you. Sin is crouching at our doors, and we must take stands against sin that wants to rule us and control us. Sins of pride, sins of lust, sins of greed, things that want to control us. We must turn to God in those times and say, God, help me to make war against this sin. And if Cain, in this moment, turned to God and offered improper sacrifice, and all would have been well. But that's not what happens, we see here. Cain goes out, he spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. He killed the innocent. Envy's birth, jealousy's birth, resentment's birth, comparison's birth, fear is birth, and hatred is birth. And murder follows. This is the pattern that happens. Is that anger's birthed. Resentment. And hatred. And murder occurs. One commentator says, Cain drew his inspiration from the evil one, the devil, who is himself the archetype murderer. This is something we have to see about Satan is that he only wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants us to hate each other. He wants to divide God's church. He wants to kill God's people. Because he hates God. And so we see this idea that we're called to love and not hate because hate takes then John goes into this interesting explanation almost to warn or tell the people of God about the world versus the people of God. This line of demarcation that's between the church, those who are of God, those who follow Christ, and the world. Namely, the world systems. The prince of the power of the air. The ruler of the world. This, this whole idea of the enemy. And the world is what that's talking about. It says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Now that's a profound statement. 
Do not be surprised that the world hates you. I think we believed a lie that the world's going to love Christians. (laughs) Why would the world love Christians? (laughs) It didn't love Christ. (laughs) And the things of God are contrary to the things of self and the flesh. And if the flesh wants what it wants, and it does not want anything to get in its way, Christianity gets in the way. The ways of Jesus gets in the way because it's contrary to the self and selfishness. He says, don't be surprised that the world hates you. Well, why would the world hate me? It's because I was a bad person? No, it's because you love Jesus. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. Well, that defines all those who are Christians. All those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, that's not a life verse. That's not one that you put over your mantle. That's not an inspirational t-shirt. You know whose life verse that is? That's a life verse of martyrs. The word martyr means witness. Those who stand up every day in countries across the world and are killed for the same faith that we are gathering here today. And they say with the words of Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Jesus says in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. There's some hard truth in that, and there's some beautiful encouragement. You're not of the world. Why? Because I chose you out of the world. How deep the Father's love for us. That he would rescue us in our darkness, in our sin, in our depravity, and transfer us to the kingdom of his beloved son that we could walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another. 1 John 3, 1. What lavish love God has given to us that we should be called children of God. It comes with a price. The world's going to hate you. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to face trials and struggles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, Jesus came to the world. He came to his own, 
but his own didn't receive him. But as many as do receive him, he gives the right to become the son and daughter of God. So, that's something we should be aware of and, and something we shouldn't be surprised of is that the world would hate us and the world would want to destroy us. Yet we're called at the same time, this is where it's hard for me, yet we're called at the same time to pray for those who persecute us and to love our enemies. Now, love does not mean agreeing with. Love is praying for their salvation. Love is as, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Pray for the welfare of your city because the welfare of your city is where your welfare is found. It goes against every ounce of my being to pray for and love those who hate you. Yet John continues and he talks about the fact that we do not love the world, yet we love the brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we think about the world hating us and this idea that we have to love our enemies and pray for them, well, it's almost like a relief when he says, listen, if you're a Christian, you got to love the brothers and sisters in Christ. Great. <laughs> All right. Because you guys have the Spirit of God if you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Yet, the enemy wants to divide us, destroy us, and make us hate one another. For all sorts of different reasons. And we are called to love the brothers and sisters in Christ. Love. Action sacrifice, attitudes. If you want to know what love is, read 1 Corinthians 13. We should all put to memory 1 Corinthians 13. Because that's love. It's patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not self-seeking. Got me on that one. It does not rejoice with wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and anyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Let us love one another. Verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Man, this guy preaches hard. I don't know if you've ever heard Paul Washer before, but... John reminds me a little bit of Paul Washer. Just very, very firm and truth proclaiming and, and not that sensitive. <laughs> but, but it's the word of God. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life. 
But really, he's just repeating the words of Jesus. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Everyone who insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. That's Jesus. The truth of the matter is, is that the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, then you can't have the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is that we need the Spirit of God to change us. The only way we can love our brothers and sisters, the only way we can pray for the world, pray for those who persecute us, is through the Spirit of Christ. We're called to love each other, care for one another. We're called to follow Christ and not the ways of Cain. To follow the ways of Christ, not the ways of the world. To follow the way of love. And now we really have to understand that we're love. 1 Corinthians 13. Sacrifice to, the, sacrifice to the point of death. Not the way of hatred. Towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now there's an interesting illustration that I read recently of a gal who was in church one Sunday and, and she was surprised that another woman who always ignored her and avoided her came up to her one Sunday and gave her this huge hug. She's like, why did this gal give me a hug? Well, this gal hadn't been in church the previous Sunday and so the pastor, as he closed out his sermon, he said, I want to give you the same charge this week as I did last week. What I want you to do is go out there and hug somebody that you absolutely despise. <laughs> Might have missed the point a little bit. <laughs> We're called to love each other in words, but also in deeds. That's what John says in this text. So if you're saying you love your brother or sister and you see them in need, you aren't truly loving them if you don't help them. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. That's practical right there. What are we doing with our resources? What are we doing with our extra money? What are we doing with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling? That's a challenge. That's tangible. That's his application. His application is if you see someone in need within the brotherhood of Christ, do whatever you can to meet that need. See, it's a family that's what God calls us to. We don't always like everyone in our family. We have disagreements. We struggle with one another. But we love each other. Loving and liking are two different things. So may we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we look for ways to serve them care for them, 
May we be aware of what's going on in people's lives around us. One of the ways that we do that tangibly here at this church is through our benevolence fund to help out the needs of those who are in this church. If you're someone who has needs in the church, we want to be able to come around you as well, care for you. Also, you can help brothers and sisters in Christ who just happen to be homeless because of life circumstances by serving in our food pantry. These are the things where our faith gets feet and our theological rubber meets the road of life. Is when we go out and we love and we serve and we care for one another. In your bulletin, there's a little insert of some things that we can do to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to love others, to fight for the voice of the voiceless, of those women who are enslaved in sex trafficking, to pray for the end of that. to pray for the end of abortion in the life of the unborn being extinguished, to serve and love one another, to find out those who are foster parents and come around them and support them because that is a hard call or maybe God is calling you to do that yourself. Yet within all of this, we are called more than anything to love the brotherhood to care for one another, to support one another. So may we love, not only in words, but in deeds and in truth. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.